Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, to start with, I, I love your weather in South Africa. It's, it's, it's just wonderful. And um, it's an honor to, to stand with the servant of God and to labor alongside him. Uh, I, I count it a great privilege. Let us pray. And we give you great praise this morning as we draw near to you. Uh, we seek your help because we acknowledge our insufficiencies. We ask that you open our understanding and plant upon our hearts viable seeds that cannot die. Be glorified. Make for yourself a great name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Turn your Bible to the book of Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51. As we make attempts to secure our coordinates for the journey. Amen. Hallelujah. It begins in verse 1 by saying, Hacking unto me ye that follow after righteousness. Please stay with me. Give me 40 minutes of your time. Just 40 minutes concentrated. 40 minutes of your time. Now, this call is only to people that follow after righteousness. This, this call. It's not applicable to you if you do not follow after righteousness. That is to say that the foundation for the things that we'll be speaking about today is rooted in righteousness. And I know this is a word church, it's a word-based church, and I know that there are pastors here, and um, <laughs> in view of that, I would need to do due diligence to unveil what I mean by following after righteousness. Because theologically, someone here can say, yes, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's not wrong. If you are in America, I know you know America a lot. America uses a credit system. But in Nigeria, we use a debit system. That means you, you have credit to market with, to buy your fuel on, to do all of that, all right? That, that for which the money is not yet available. And when the money comes in, you pay back, right? That's the system in America. But in Nigeria, you need to label and make the money available first. <laughs> so, it's a debit system. So you can't, you can't spend if you don't have. Now, so uh, in the kingdom, what God used in, in redemption is a credit system. You are devoid of any form of righteousness whatsoever. In fact, your righteousness, according to the scriptures, is like filthy rags. Your attempt to look holy before God is 
nothing compared to the standard of God. So God now gave you credit. So the credit that God made available to you is Jesus Christ that is domiciled in your spirit. It's the basis of your acceptance before God. But do you still realize that it's still credit? You are not, you are not following. You are not following. Okay, because you are not following, I will, I will, I will, I will save you that trouble. You know, we'll just go back to... <laughs> it's credit. And it is because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's your status. Because God will accept Jesus. God will accept the Christ. Are you there? All right, just like God... Just like um, Isaac will accept Esau. So even though Jacob wanted to come in to steal on the uh, blessings, he had to masquerade as Esau. He had to appear before the father as Esau. So God will accept Christ. So if you stand before him, the reason for which you are accepted is not because of you, it's because of the credit system, it's because of Christ that is in you. Now, God... <laughs> Are you with me? That's your takeoff point. Christ in you now gives you a platform to be able to engage God because the nature of the blessedness of the new covenant is that it provides a possibility of access. And that access is possible because Christ is in you. What you do with that access is what you do with it. It's, it. It will determine how your life will look like. But God has given you the basic possibilities to access him. Are you there? Now, it is expected that as you begin to walk with God, God's nature of righteousness, and righteousness is consistent with the position of the justice system of heaven. Can you stay with me? I'm talking about righteousness in practicality, not righteousness by position. As you grow with God, it is expected that righteousness in practicality will become your lifestyle. First of all, righteousness was built into you to become your nature. Then as you grow with God, it is expected that that your nature is reflective on your Lifestyle. Is that clear? You're not with me. All right, let me give you some examples. I worked in the oil industry in my country for 16 years. That's the best place for you to have a job. So I was not a poor man. And the oil industry affords you the, in fact, we, we were taken for training, the first training, and when the guy showed up, the first statement he made was, um, oil business is oily. It's oily. Uh, just trying to make us understand the uh, scale of compromise that is factored into the entire framework of things. And, uh, you know, they will always seize an opportunity to talk down on we that are professing Christians because uh, the system is not meant for us. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an oily system. Are you with me? All right, so I had opportunities to run deals. I was in a position of a supervisor in a strategic place, and I had opportunity to run deals um, five times a month for four years. 
I mean in dollars, not, not naira, you know. Dollars. Right? Uh, should I say something quickly? If you see dollars in a bag, fresh ones, new ones, crispy ones, with that scent from, from, the, from the printing house, if you, if you inhale it, I assure you, you don't know what you will do next. I assure you. It's an assurance. It's an assurance. Now, so we, we are trying to address people, and for your information, I took no bribe for 16 years. Amen. To the glory of God, you see, you are clapping for me. That is, you're clapping for them. To the glory of God. There were times I had to fast and pray for long to have the courage to say no to some people. Why? Because I was desperate to follow after righteousness. It is, it is possible for you to say, well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so keen on following. Following. And if you are not following after righteousness, your life is going to be a contradiction of the position that God has domiciled you for your takeoff. It means that you are going to be the reason for which the name of the Lord is blasphemed. So eventually, the credit that was given unto you, you couldn't pay. There was no return on that investment. And it's a shortfall in the kingdom of God. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. All right, it says, Hacking unto me ye that follow after righteousness. You need to follow hard after it. That's what separates us from the unbelievers. If we're in the same office with the unbelievers because of our commitment to follow after righteousness, you will just know that we are different. And I need to tell you what we suffer in following after righteousness. Are you with me? All right, in my station, one of those times, my manager was coming to visit me and he said, you know the, you know the drill? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, okay, oh, you, you didn't call these guys to give you the orientation of how to host me? I said, I didn't know there was such an office that I needed to consult to know how to host you. But if you, are, if you can be so kind, you can give me some insights into the requirements. And he said, he doesn't sleep alone. He sleeps with big ladies, big ladies. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it happens to be that the, the station I was at that time was, the, was in the city where I attended university. And when I was in the university, I was a radical. I was crazy for Jesus. I was crazy. I was mad. If I show up in the same university trying to look for big ladies, they would think Jesus, I've come with another Jesus trick. They wouldn't even believe. <laughs> they would think I came with a trick, another trick to, 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 to lead people to Christ. They would never believe that I came to say. So I, I told him it would be a contradiction. I can find other ways of companionship by like bringing him a big Bible. Maybe. I te I'm telling you, I said what I said. I said it to him. So he insisted that I would never be promoted as long as his manager. And indeed, his threat, he kept his threat. Um, how, for how many years was I left out of the list? I, I think uh, for five years. For five years. It was not because I was mentally bankrupt. It was because I decided to follow hard after what? 
Now, so if you follow hard after righteousness, you are going to be persecuted. Is that clear? Now, it's your love for Jesus to that point where you are willing, you are not, you are not, you are not, you are not perturbed whatsoever by being persecuted from, from people just because of your commitment to God. So the guy refused to promote me. No problem. And it came to pass that the chief executive was changed to a very wicked man. And the wicked man came to visit my station. And when he showed up, we went to pick him at the toll gate. He came into the place. He asked me a few questions. I answered. He asked me other questions. I answered. That day he was friendly. I was amazed. Asked me the third question. I answered. He asked my name. I said, I answered. Is all right? So we left. So the occasion for which he came, we, we had the occasion and he went back. And then he couldn't sleep. And this guy that likes big ladies. He's the, he's the head of admin. It's a signature that must be on your promotion later. The chief executive went back and said, give me that boy's file. Said, Which boy? That boy, that, the boy there. And then when he brought my file, he found out I have not been promoted for five years. It was in the month of June. They promote people in January. It was June. And he asked that guy to write my promotion letter instantly, sign it in June. Now, I, I have a question for you. When the guy was signing the letter, where was he facing? Was it this way? Or... God has a brilliant way of intervening on behalf of those that follow after righteousness. The oil business is oily. The places where you are sent for courses are places where if God has not helped you, your immoral life will start from those conferences. They, they, it's strategic. The idea is to push you away uh, from every form of family life. And you have so much money. All right? Um, one of those days, we came out of a training, came out, and then the there were ladies lining up and they were naked. So you can touch. It's okay. I don't know. And that's how elders, elders of churches were, were, were doing response to touch. So we had to book our rooms in that same hotel to avoid our coming out till the end of the conference because we wanted to follow hard after. So this scripture that I want to read to your hearing is addressed to people that are willing to follow hard after righteousness. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. So there are two requirements here. You seek, do you seek God? Yes, sir. Do you seek his face? Before you make major decisions in your life, do you go to him and say, I am stuck. It is written in your word that is not given unto man to direct his steps. So this function of direction will have to come from you. Do you seek him? Do you seek his wisdom? Hallelujah. I remember coming back from, from London. I came back from London, and the moment I came back, 
the appetite for work just died in my heart. That's a feeling. That's not direction. That's a feeling. I wanted, I knew what it meant, but if God has not spoken, I will not change my direction. So I took a fast, and I was praying and fasting and calling upon the name of the Lord and using my will to walk. Because until God endorses an action, it doesn't strike any chord in the realm of the spirit. And if you resign at the wrong time, it is not God you obeyed. Do you understand that? So I sought his face, and it took time. If you are going to seek God's face, you, you have already come into the layer of his government. You have afforded him the handle of your life for him to deal with you. Uh, it is not only the thing you came to seek that will happen to you. Many things will happen. And if you've been running away from God, he will say, oh, thank you. Oh, you need something. You are welcome. Then he will start from where you ran from. Ah, he must bring order into your soul before he uses you as a creature of order in society. So when you begin to seek the Lord, you have offered yourself as a specimen for his government to begin to walk around you. This is me seeking God's will. Is it so difficult for God to unveil his will? You see, the thing is this. He doesn't give his secrets just to anybody. So there are every area of your life that still has traces of rebellion, he begins to deal with it and to treat it. And then if you are not absolutely submitted to serve his will, you will say it's too difficult to serve God and you will, you will, you will eject yourself from the process. It means you are not worthy of his glory. Are you still with me? So I sought his face. And on the 19th of October, I landed in one of the cities in Nigeria called Uyo. And when they ushered me uh, into the hotel to rest and change for the meeting in the evening, Jesus showed up. And he said, I came to set you free so that where I am, there also will my servant be. I didn't know my job was bondage. So I called my wife. I said, am I bound? He said, you have, you've been bound for long. <laughs> Hacking to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. He's given us He's given us um, an assignment. The assignment he's given us is, look unto the rock from whence ye were hewn. This is a query site. He said, check your source, the place from whence you were grafted, the place from whence you were, you were, you were taken. Hmm? And to the whole of the pit from whence you were digged. This is, this is a parable. He said, look to Abraham. It means Abraham is your foundation. And the prototype of what I want to do in your life I already did in Abraham. So if you study Abraham, you will understand how I want to deal with you. So that's what this scripture is saying. But it is written only to those that follow after righteousness. Those that what? Seek the Lord. So there is a recommendation here that we should look to Abraham and to look to Sarah. What is it about Abraham he wants us to look at? He said, I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. I tell you, are you with me? Do you, are you still with me? 
Now, I told you that the evidence that grace is available is sufficiency. Any time in your life where there is insufficiency, it means you are a victim of lack of grace. And insufficiency in any area, not just finances. Because when, when the caption came out, Kingdom Economy, um, the conclusion was, okay, we need smart ideas to dominate the marketplace and we need uh, wisdom on how to function the economic war front. It's part of what we're talking about, but it's far broader than that because God doesn't just want to solve your financial problems. He wants to make all grace abound so that you have all sufficiency in all things and abound unto every good work. So there is not supposed to be any aspect of your life that is deficient, that is suggestive of insufficiency. So the story of Abraham was how God blessed him and how God increased him. There's a protocol that God had to engage in the life of Abraham to bring him to a point of blessing and increase. There was no insufficiency in any aspect of his life. That's God's dream for you. That's God's agenda for you. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. So it is in view of the above that we want to humbly look at the life of Abraham and pick the products of his interaction with God. How did God's interaction influence Abraham? If we look upon the influence that God's interaction with him brought to him, this scripture is saying that uh, that's the same pattern that I want your life to evolve around. It means that it's a part of Abraham hmm, that is supposed to, be, to play out through every one of us. So Abraham is a prototype, and the Bible is saying we need to look into that query site of our foundation. All right. So turn with me quickly. Book of Genesis. I'll just speak for a little, a little bit, and we'll pray. Amen. But if I notice that you, your understanding is open, then we'll travel a bit further. So I have two, um, two capsules. So I will save one first and check you. <laughs> Amen. Then I'll know if there is space to take the, the next one. You know, the, the um, lectures we have so, had so far were sweet and exciting. These ones are going to be hard. Because if you are working with a spirit being, I know most of you don't, don't think along this line. You want to walk with a spirit being, there are a few things you need to know. The spirit being, every spirit being whatsoever is a very jealous entity. Yeah. He wants to have you all by himself. You know why? The only way that spirit being, the only way his identity will be revealed in this three-dimensional world. I hope this, you know this world was not designed for spirits. This one we are in now. I won't go there. This world was not designed for spirit. This world was designed for three-dimensional entities. 
you know, it was strange when I made that statement because I believe someone in the congregation thinks that he's a spirit. That's where the contradiction, that's where the trouble is. Uh, technical man, let's solve a problem quickly before we, we go on. Can you, can you give us um, Luke chapter 24, verse 39? And the authority that I want to quote on this matter is Jesus himself. Luke 24, verse 39. This is Jesus with his resurrected body trying to introduce himself to his followers and trying to provide evidence to his followers that he is Jesus indeed. Right? So the first thing he says in 39 is, Behold my hands and my feet. Um, brother, come. Please. The reason why I can behold him is because he occupies space. So in this, our own frame of reference, we have one integer called space. That's why I can behold him, he's occupying space. Okay? Next thing Jesus says is, handle, handle me and see. The reason why I can handle him is because he has matter. Exactly. He now goes on to establish, he says, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. The authority I'm quoting is who? Please, run a test on your neighbor. If you find any hard thing like bone and flesh, run that test. Tell the person you are not a spirit. Thank you, thank you. I know the... Are you with me? We, we, are, we, are, we are functionaries of the kingdom movement. It was the faith movement that said we were spirits, possessing souls, dwelling in bodies. And that statement is not in the Bible. Now, meanwhile, I need to tell you, this, that's what I learned in Bible school. But we have gone beyond Bible school. We have gone into the Word of God. Are you still with me? Are you angry? Now, because you are angry, we will... I will, will. He said, a spirit has not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Jesus was saying even in resurrection that he was not a spirit. Oh, do you... Mm. All right. Do you remember the Bible says there is a spirit in man? The Bible never says man is a spirit. Man has a spirit. Man is not a spirit. In the book of First Thessalonians, Paul was speaking and he said, God's intention is to sanctify us wholly. Then he now mentioned spirit, soul, and body. What he means by holy is spirit, soul, and body, indicative of the fact that man is trapatide. Man is spirit, soul, and body. And if you don't know that, you will not know that in the entire creation of God, it is only man that has the legitimacy to, not even God, only man that has the legitimacy to operate both in the unseen and in the seen realm because you have a spirit 
that is tethered to the spirit dimension and the spirit realm, and you have a body that is tethered to this framework of three-dimensional existence, you are the only creature that has this kind of endowment. Are you with me? And this is the foundational doctrine we need to teach if we want to teach priesthood. Because in priesthood, with my spirit, I can mount up with wings like eagles to the heights of heaven. Hmm? And I can provide earthly permission for heavenly interference. Are you still with me? So, as I was saying, if you are serving a spirit being, you need to understand that spirits are jealous. Spirits want to possess you wholly. Want to be in charge of you wholly. You know why? Because in this three-dimensional existence, the only way you will know that spirit is through the host that is under the government of that spirit. What the spirit does to his host is a definition of how the spirit is. And that's why it's asking us to look at Abraham, that Abraham gave himself to me wholly, and what I made out of him is who I am. And that's the same thing I'm going to make out of you if you are willing to submit to my protocol. So at this stage, because grace, because God is able to make all grace abound toward you, it's no longer up to God, it's now up to you. What you become is not God's fault. It's just a reflection of your level of compliance. Because it was not so in Abraham. And Abraham's situation was more terrible than yours. Because he had to go to his father and say, can you expunge my name from the family tree? He had to go to his kindred and say, can you remove me from your lexicon? He had to visit the immigration of his country and ask them to expunge his name from the holders of the passports of that country. So he had no family, he had no father, he had no country. That's how he started. And under the guidance of his spirit, he was blessed and he was increased. Are you still with me? So Abraham's situation was worse than your own. But God made out of him what we read about, and God is referring us to his life as a pattern. If you are still with me, say amen. amen. Okay. Let's journey. Um, we'll begin from the call of Abraham. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 12. It's a long story. But we'll start from somewhere. And then we'll see how God will take us. Verse 12, 12 verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, First thing I need to draw your attention to is had. H-A-D. Exactly, past tense. So this is a previous thing. It's just recalling a previous reality. All right? Now, let me show you. So the call had been. Hmm? The challenge that existed was a challenge of obedience and compliance. If not, the call was already there. Now, let's go to the book of uh, Genesis chapter 11. Uh, I'll read from verse 27. 
why the Bible says God had said, had said. 27. Now these are the generations of terror. Terror begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity or of the Chaldees. And Abraham and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. And Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, this is the scripture I want to draw your attention to. And Terah took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. And they went forth with them. And they went forth with them from all of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan and they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now the first thing I want to draw your attention to here is that when God spoke to Abraham about moving out and he told his father that he needs to leave him, he needs to leave his kindred, he needs to leave his country, his father Terah thought he was mad. So what his father did was that he constituted a journey party, right? If you check this, and Terah took Abraham. It was not Abraham that was responsible for this journey. Terah said, you are mad. Okay, because you insist that we should move, I, I will drive this train. And he moved them not to Canaan, where Abraham's destiny was beckoning on him to call. He moved them to where? Haran. Guess what the meaning of Haran is? Delay. You can check it, check it on your lexicon. The first thing that God had to do to Abraham was to teach him obedience. And I will show you all the politics and the manipulation that um, went down in this is practice of obedience and the repercussion that found expression eventually. <laughs> you know, many people come to God, they don't know that God is spirit. And there that must worship, it's not by force to worship him. But if you must worship him, there is a prescription on how it is done. It is done in spirit and in truth. The word truth there, I'd like you to click it on the lexicon and let us know what it means. Truth. Who has an electronic Bible? Because if I use mine, you will say it's my own. But I had planned to deceive you from Nigeria. So... I won't go there. I won't use mine. Okay. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truthfulness. So in, in, in walking with God, because of the fact that God knows too much, he knows your, your grandfather to the, 40, the 50th generation. So he knows too much. So the only way to walk with God is with truthfulness. You are naked always before him. That's how you walk with God. That's right. yes, sir. The day you start becoming confiscated, you can be, you know, sophisticated and all of that, you begin to lose your grip 
on God. Now, it was the father Terah that constituted the journey party. And Abraham was following him. Meanwhile, Abraham is the one that God called. And the guy mobilized the entire household and changed their location and arrived at Haran and he stopped there. The, the destiny of that young man was not going to be fulfilled in Haran. Are you with me? According to statistics, because I did the calculation, God called Abraham at the age of 25. His father took him to Haran and they dwelt there for 50 years. 50 plus 25 is what? All right, so it, it is at 75 that Abraham was... Okay, let's continue with our reading. Next verse. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died where? So, actually, that was not his day of death. God killed him to free Abraham to journey. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you something quickly. Are you? Oh, you are not, you are not following me. Are you with me? If God wants something done, he will get it done. If he doesn't have any way with you, he will, he will wait for you to be wiped out. Then he will carry your son. He will continue with him. Maybe your son will yield better. But trust me, it will happen. But without you, but it will still happen. So it is a privilege for you to line up, for you to be obedient. As long as you're obedient, he will not look for your son. He will walk with you. It was not Abraham's fault that he was dragged to Haran. Abraham was submitted to his father's authority. And God liked that. When the time expired for the father to become wise, and the father chose not to become wise, God showed the father that he is not omnipotent, so he took him out. So after 75 years, are you there? Abraham now made reference to the call for the Lord had said unto Abraham. Before we go forward, I would like you to check your life. Because it may be that you are tabac ta ta tabernacling in Haran. Yeah, so that's why your life is going in cycles. If we follow Abraham's exam example, you will find out <laughs> all the areas that require troubleshooting in your destiny. Do you still remember what Jesus said when Satan came to tempt him? He said, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones and make them pray. And Jesus said, it is written. He afforded us the opportunity to look into something that there was no other opportunity for us to know it, if not for that situation. Jesus was there in the beginning when it was agreed in the Godhead, let us make man. Right, so when the devil brought this temptation, turn the stones, make them bread, Jesus now went and read the file about man, the original file of how man was designed. He said man, because, are you there? Because uh, in, in the way he was constituted at the time, he came as man. So the laws of man apply to him. Okay? Oh, you're not with me. 
I'm just going here to explain. If you don't get it, we can forget it and focus on the story. In that particular scenario, the principles for man were applicable to him because he was present in the wilderness before the devil as a man. And then he went and opened the fire and said, man, humankind, the human species, shall not live by bread alone. How shall the human species live? By the, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if I take you home right now and we look at the diary where you store the things that God tells you. And 16 years ago, God said this and said that and said that. And you are not doing that. You are in Haran. Because for you too, the Lord had said. But it is yet to find expression. And as long as you are not willing to become an obedient Christian, you are going to have a hard time with the actualization of your destiny. Oh, you, you stumbled upon salvation through faith. It was grace that made the possibility of salvation available, and then it was through faith you made it your own possession, lambano. You picked it up and made it yours through faith. Is that clear? That which you stumbled upon through faith, you are going to proceed and progress in through obedience. That's what you were not told. You entered by faith, but you will continue by obedience. And Adam modeled, Adam modeled the, the um, principle of rebellion, and Jesus modeled the principle of obedience as the status of the second Adam and the last Adam. Are you still with me? So all followers of Jesus Christ must keep to his example. Obedience is how we grow in grace. Obedience is how we grow in the measures of God. The first lesson that God wanted to teach Abraham was the burden of obedience. A lot of believers come to church and speak in tongues and enjoy praise and worship, but there's no commitment to obedience in their lives. You are not going anywhere. You are going to be a victim of circumstances, a victim of situations. Demons are going to help you waste your time. God is not a prime minister. He's not a president. He was not elected into office. He's a king, and his words must be obeyed. If you are not... All right. Let's see. Are you there? He took out Terah, because Terah was standing in the way of his plan. If you want to be God's friend, know his plan, and be doing it. All of his resources will be available to you. All of his help will be available to you. Men like us are not living for ourselves. We've grown beyond that point. Because we know if we live for ourselves, we have no basis to ask God for grace. God will not supply grace to actualize your plan. He will make his grace available to actualize his plan. So the best way to live as a Christian is living to serve the will of God. 
The power of God goes in the direction of the will of God. The grace of God goes in the direction of the purpose of God. So if your life is factored within that crucible, you will lack no, no, you will lack no support, you will lack no supply. So God is painstakingly attempting to teach Abraham the first principle of the kingdom, acknowledging that the king is worthy to be obeyed. That's the first thing. Many of you study scripture, you rationalize it and say, okay, you know, according to the laws of physics, laws of thermodynamics, this, uh, this scripture doesn't really align. It should have said uh, this and that. Okay. Take a geography textbook, since you like knowledge. Then see where the earth is in relation to the moon. Calculate the distance between the moon and the earth. And if someone is standing on the moon, will the person see you? It means there are perspectives that you sustain that you don't exist. You are not that important. There are perspectives. In fact, from Apollo 11, when they snapped the earth, it was only Africa, the continent of Africa that was seen. Europe did not exist from that perspective. And, and in the snapshot that they took, they did not see our poverty. So that person that is literally non-existent is the one trying to rationalize the wisdom of God. That is folly. So, you know, I'm helping you settle some equations in your heart so that you'll be ready for the journey of obedience because your journey of obedience is what we call your walk with God. So the first thing he instituted in the life of Abraham is that he will not take anything less than what he said you should do. He took away. Terah would have lived longer and he would have enjoyed life. But because it was an obstacle to what God wanted to achieve, God took him out. Then Abraham was now set to implement obedience when he was eventually 75. Let us see how Abraham constituted his own journey party. Because the journey party of Terah, you saw the template. You saw Abraham was a mere follower. Now Abraham has the authority to constitute who will travel with him. Meanwhile, you need to understand that he had a prescription of how he should go. Get out of your country. Get out from your kindred. Get out from your father's house. The prescription was clear to Abraham. When God wants to speak to you, if he wants to lead you, he doesn't, he doesn't speak with ambiguity. See, I saw a dream, and, uh, you know, if, if it's just a dream you saw, it means you had access to the spirit of revelation. And that's not enough. It's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Have you had a dream you couldn't interpret before? All right, so that's the spirit of revelation. You will need to speak in tongues and stay speaking in tongues until the spirit of wisdom goes to work to interpret the dream. If God is speaking, if God wants you to do something, he leaves out every trace, every form of ambiguity so that you will know what his heart desires. Is that clear? All right. Abraham now 
is given the opportunity in the book of Genesis chapter 12 to constitute the journey party after so much time have been wasted. Genesis chapter 12 verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. It means his obedience was not complete. He took his father's house with him. You are going to see that anytime you innovate upon God's instructions, you create a platform for Satan to interfere with your destiny. Please tell me, help me tell your neighbor you are not called to be creative in your work with God. You are called to obey. And that's why concerning Jesus, the Bible says, a body, are you with me? It says, a body have you given me. I've come to fulfill that which is written in the volume of the books. Jesus was not called to be creative, to be innovative. He was called to fulfill what already existed. I don't have time to press that. But many of you think, you don't know how unmovable the kingdom of God is. Have you read the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28? It says, seeing that we have received a kingdom that cannot be moved, it is immovable. If God says, I want a stone, he will have a stone. If God says, I want a book, he will have a book. His purposes never change, but his men, his players can always change. And every day I wake up, I know that God has better people to do what he has called me to do and my, my calling has nothing to do with my efficiency, my proficiency, my expertise, my lingo, my style. He has better people with better styles, better everything. It's just an act of his sovereignty. He exercises his will to choose me. And that's a privilege, I tell you. In Abraham's obedience, he created a slippery ground for Satan's interference. He took Lot. Are you still with me? It means he's not yet perfect. He's not yet acquainted with the standard of the requirements of God yet. Are you there? Now, jump to verse 10. Let me leave one section. Because I'm not sure if that's where God wants me to focus subsequently. So I'll leave that section. So, and there was a famine. See, this famine now is coming to test everybody coming to test nations, coming to test people's foundations. They are, okay, there was COVID. And COVID now comes to test if your life is standing on the foundation. If the platform that you're standing on, it was God that instructed you to stand on it. COVID, there was COVID. The people that are standing on good foundations, COVID became an advantage to them. The people that God didn't send, COVID and I, sh I assure you God will allow famines again and again the famine strategy is a way to uproot what God has not planted from the arena if you are not supported by grace the famine will lynch you out so there was a famine and this famine was a test of our tensile stress and tensile strain to know where you are standing, what foundation is beneath you. And when the famine came, Abraham went down to Egypt. Underline down. 
It was not God that led him. When, you see, he had not yet perfected the obedience. So when a situation came, he used his brain. And as he was going to Egypt, he didn't know he was going down. The question today is, where did you go? Oh, okay. You don't believe me. Um, let me show you something quickly. Let me show you something quickly. He went down. Every step you take outside of the space that God has domiciled you is down. And just in case you saw yourself going down, it means you disconnected from grace. So the experience is a free fall. Finances crash. All kinds of stuff begin to take place because you are no longer where grace can protect you. Grace can support you. You are going down. Now, just to show you that that's not just, it's not a mistake. Go jump, technical man, jump to... Um, Thirteen, verse 1. And Abraham went up out of Egypt. You see, when he was going out of Egypt, how was he going? Up. Up. When he was coming out, it was up. When he was going, it was done. I've seen people, because of the circumstances and situations, because God will try you before he make you, makes you like gold. So, so because of situations, some things that are contrary, they now take a trip to Egypt. And unknown to them, their journey downward just began. Your insufficiencies are going to manifest again. Your, your infirmity is going to pop up once you wander out of where grace is domiciled. I don't have time to push it further. But what I'm trying to teach here is that the first principle God taught Abraham is that you, if you are going to survive, you will need to have to obey me. In the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says the former treatise, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. First of all, in the life of Jesus, and that's the summary of the life and times of Jesus because the same person that wrote the book of Acts of the Apostles was the same person that wrote the book of Luke. It was Luke the doctor. Luke the doctor. Luke was Paul's personal physician. He was the one that wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts of the Apostles and he was addressing the two books to a mayor that was interested in the ways of the Lord and he was a chartered disciple that was sent to bring more perfectly to him the things that are most surely believed amongst us. So Luke summarized the book of Luke in the book of Acts in one verse. He said the former treatise. Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. See, there was something that was the foundation of his teaching ministry. It was a doing. Alright? Now what doing was he talking about? It was living under the government of his father. So every day he wakes up in the morning, goes into a solitary place to pray, and he downloads what is on his father's heart. His preoccupation for that day is doing that which he saw his father do. Okay? And before Jesus was able to perform any miracle, at the waters of Jordan, 
the father's the father had to come with accreditation he said this one is my beloved son he had not done any miracle never preached any any huge message but the life of jesus in the secret was a life of utter obedience unto his father that was a doing and guess what his this doing was for three decades and the teaching ministry was for three years so one decade for one year of teaching ministry his teaching ministry was standing on a life of obedience you want to teach you want to preach you want to be a preacher that will move south africa uh, bible school your credentials from bible school will not count it's your life of obedience that forms the basis of your rank and the authority that your teaching ministry will carry He began both to do and to teach. That's Jesus' example. If we, if we scan your life, can we see a doing, a rectitude of obedience, alignment with the government of heaven, that you are not your own, that you are, your nationality is heaven, you are, you are here as an ambassador, and you do only what your father says. That's the first thing God had to teach Abraham. He brought Lot into the equation. His problems in the future was tied to the same Lord. Whereas Haran, Haran, his father, brought delay, Lot now brought distraction. Are you there? Can we move further? The second thing that God taught him The principle of tithing. Now I, I'm here to answer your your questions. You have arguments about tithing because the time came in the body of Christ where some folks that were not adequately instructed in the things of God now came up and said tithing is Old Testament is not. Uh, you see, it's not good for someone that is not licensed in doctrine. To have a consistent congregation that he teaches. Um, are you are you with me? I hope you know Abraham existed before the law. So my first question is: What under what regime was he? Meanwhile, there are only two systems in the Bible. Only two systems of God's administration in the Bible. It's either law or grace. I'm asking a question. Because I know you will not accept that Abraham operated under grace, but that's where he operated. But stay with me, stay with me. Don't believe. These days, when we say things, we need to provide evidence from Scripture so that we will not make the Scripture capable of private interpretation. Because it is not. And that's the reason why God did not use one writer. The, the book of the sons of the bond woman is only one writer. And that's a counterfeit. Do you understand what I'm saying? One author, the Holy Ghost, but different writers. 
So many different writers, but they say the same thing. So the Bible is not capable of private interpretation. Everything you find in scripture, you must find another scripture by another person that supports that your view. If not, that your view is not biblical. Because the Bible is not capable of what? Private interpretation. Stay with me. Are you there? All right. So let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 4. Let's clear your doubts first about Titan. He said, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? Are you still with me now in verse 2? He said, for if Abraham were justified, can you understand? Underline justified if your Bible is not borrowed. If Abraham were justified by works, suggestive of the fact that Abraham was justified, have you been justified? Abraham had the same experience. And the Bible says he was not justified by works. Because if he were justified by works, he would have occasion to glory before God. That he did something, he helped God. But that was not the case. It means Abraham was justified. And justification is only a status that can be attained under grace. Oh, next verse. Go, next verse. For what seeth the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The righteousness of the law require that you need to keep every aspect of the law before you can be pro pronounced righteous. And the law did not succeed to produce one righteous man. Because no one was capable of fulfilling every requirement of the law. The law just showed the position of God, but it didn't provide any enablement for people to live up to that standard. And man was falling. So the law became a, a, an emblem of judgment. You see that? But what the difference in grace is that God gives us, God is the one through us that is satisfying the demands of the law. So this Abraham was able to attain to the righteousness that is in the Bible. And the way he did it was not by works. He, it was by believing. And that word counted there is logic. It was logically counted as righteousness. It means the scales and the balances in the spirits were manipulated. And the end product of the inference was that Abraham was righteous. And there was no one that could be righteous under the law. Are you still following me? Should we continue in the research? For you to understand that Abraham operated under grace? Can you see? It was still that grace, within the regime of grace, that Abraham discovered Titan. Before the law found expression. I'm just trying to establish... Meanwhile, tithes under the Levitical priesthood is different from tithes under the Melchizedek priesthood. And it was to Melchizedek that Abraham gave tithes. And I hope you know Melchizedek is eternal, was not created, cannot be destroyed. It means in heaven you will still give tithes. Because his, priest, his priesthood remains. Can we go back to scripture? Yes. Good. In the Old Testament, the way the Testament is shaped, one of the proofs of your compliance to God is that you give tithes. But in the New Testament, tithing is a training. Yeah. Because the requirement for the New Testament is consecration. Consecration. 
The difference between the Old and the New Testament in this regard is that in the New Testament, God paid for you with the price of his blood. So you are his property. Are you still with me? Good. The day you realize that you are his property and you willingly submit to serve his will, which is consecration, the Bible calls you reasonable. You are not with me. All right. Um, my wife is from Western Nigeria. And if you are going to marry from Western Nigeria, um, part of what is required is that you need to lie prostrate, flat, before your in-laws. And my people are royal people. They don't lie down before human beings. It, you don't understand. It's a serious case. It's a very serious matter. It's very... Ah! It's a serious... It's a serious thing. If you give us a bright price to pay, we'll double it. We'll... You say bring... Number of... We will, we, will, we will do more than is on the list so that you will know that we are worthy men. <laughs> but there was a requirement you lie down. And that's a big matter. But we, we succeeded in lying down. <laughs> now, you know I said yesterday that if you have paid the labola, lo, lobola, if you have paid the lobola, that the woman is now your property. And one lady here was. I'm talking about legally, legally. Okay? It's when you take the woman home, you will know there's something you didn't pay for. Her love, she can decide not to love you. You paid. I'm here like a piece of furniture, but I, I, I'm not loving you. <laughs> Do you understand that? Good. But if the woman that refused to love you took inventory of the bride price, she should, if she's reasonable, she should decide to love you for free. That's what the Bible says. It said that we should, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. Because Jesus paid your bride bri bri price. He said, if you do anything other than this, you are not reasonable. It means you, didn't, you did not take into account the, the price that was paid. So, as a reasonable Christian, after your salvation, the next reaction is that you consecrate yourself absolutely to serve the will of God. That means you understand the cost of the bride price. The cost of the lobola. So in the New Testament, it is consecration. Consecration means you no longer have access to property rights. Everything you have and everything you are belongs to God. But, but it, it, because of our fallen nature, you cannot just start at consecration. You will begin with tithing first. When God sees that you are responsible enough to tithe, then you cannot come into your space and say, empty your account. There's an emergency in my kingdom. If you are in this place tonight or this morning, 
and God has never come to you asking you to give a financial sacrifice you can't maximize you can't achieve maximum capacity utilization of your calling and ordination let me let me start again titan is preparatory in the new testament it's preparatory to entering into the full life of a consecrated individual. For me now, I own nothing. Everything that God has made available to me is in trust. Many times during the course of my morning prayers, he would say, okay, you send this to this person, send that to that, send this person to this, send this to that. Before the close of work that day, I've sent it without asking. You know what? That's how I got where I am. I'm operating on the consecration level. But you see, I was faithful in tithing for long. And he said, okay, we can demand of him. You are not with me. Go back to Acts chapter 1. You are, you are not here. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. He said, The former treatise, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So I told you that obedience is the foundation of his teaching ministry. Have you seen that? That's the first thing. Next verse. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that through the Holy Ghost, he had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. It's only the apostles that he had chosen that he gave what? A time comes in your life when Jesus begins to give you commandments. If you have not reached there, it means you were not tightened. Yes. For every aspect of your life, he will give you commandments. For me and my wife, in our home, the commandment is that we are not never going to stay alone. So if you come to my house, you'll be disappointed. I can make a football team from the people staying with me. And the people staying with me now are the 13th group. Because he gave us commandments as to how, as to our own model of family life. I'm not saying take away your privacy. No, if that's not a commandment, it doesn't apply to you. But he gives commandments to the apostles that he has what? Chosen. Hmm. So you can know if he has chosen you. If you have come to the point where you are one of the people that matter as far as the administration of his kingdom plans are in your generation. The proof is that he gives commandments. Are you following? He gives what? You can, you can just come into your, your, the, your garage where your cars are parked one morning. Just loving one of your cars and say, give it out, give it out, give it out. So, I've given out so many cars that I don't love cars again. There's no attachment anymore. He will give you commandments unto the apostles that he had chosen. 
the ones he has not chosen he can leave them to to freestyle but the ones that he had chosen he will give them what then it begins to regulate your life on this matter of obedience eh, there is a long is a long list it's a very long list he will bring his torchlight he will shine it in your pocket until your pocket is aligned with him then he will shine it on your heart until pride dies he will delay your season of promotion until your ambition dies mm. Mm. you will cry if he wants to help you he will say it is not the devil that is binding you stop binding satan i'm involved i'm involved, I'm involved. Have you heard of the scripture that say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? Why, why did they add mighty? It's because even if you are angry, you can't, you can't, you can't remove it. I prayed for years. Oh, you are not, you are, you are not there. Prayed for many things for years. When, when I wasn't praying again, he said, okay, that's your request. This is the time. You know how long I prayed for power? <laughs> I, pre- I was a young preacher I said Kai, if you give you never you never you never gave anything in fact the preaching became dry and when I'm <laughs> he, he, will, he, will, he will allow his dealings he will wait out your ambition your ambition will expire the chef life of your ambition will die so that you will not administer it according to the flesh. Become a vessel that is pure. And the streams of God through you will be a blessing. So many of you are angry that you prayed for something and you didn't get a response. If he had given you, it, it would destroy you. I have seen that people that prayed for power, that God gave them quickly. Eh? Let me tell you my opinion. God didn't like them. Because they, they did not have the ability to handle it. It will destroy them. It will destroy them. I know better now. So when I see someone takes off like a tornado, I say, don't mind him. <laughs> the same way he appeared suddenly, he will disappear. God is not planning to keep him for long. He's just using him to bridge a gap so that there, will be, there won't be silence in the body of Christ. Oh, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have. Ooh. Do you know how long I prayed for money? I wanted to. So that when I show up, I say, glory. You will know that God is good. <laughs> May the Lord give you understanding quickly, quickly. Have you seen the mess? that has taken place in the body of Christ when people that were unauthorized had access to funds. Their heart of disloyalty was on display and they brought a terrible reputation to God. When you see someone like that that, that stumbles into wealth quickly in ministry, just know that he's not part of the future. God wants, it's a stopgap measure, it's a stopgap, a short-term, short-term arrangement to bridge in, to close up a gap.
that's not how I want my life to be. I want to be in the mainstream. I want to be where the things take place. I want to be standing in the Senate of heaven where God gives scepters to sons to take over territory. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Ooh, that's I've seen the future. It is full of glory. I saw Africa coming out of the swamp. And I saw some men that God had beautified with his glory. Held rounded his kingdom, his power, and his glory. What God has in mind is stronger than what you can ever imagine. It's time to walk with him. It's time to obey him. So that he can give you his commandments. I'm going to stop here this morning. We want to pray. That God will give us the capacity to obey him. Imagine, imagine. In two weeks time, I'm going to be a manager in my office. Jesus comes and says, resign. What? Do what? And I told him, don't you think it would be more glorious for you if there's a testimony that as a manager I resigned because of you? You know what he said? Resign. <laughs> My ideas didn't matter. Did not count. It will not give him glory. My family members knew that I was addicted to Jesus and nobody wanted to be the one to say, uh, uh, can you think about this? Nobody wanted to be in that book because they, they know me. I'm a zealot. I'm a zealot. I'm consumed. So everybody say, follow God. Follow, follow him. But I know their heart. They, they were not, their heart was saying something. They say, follow Jesus. You, you, you followed him for so many years, so follow him on this matter. Meanwhile, they were mourning. And I was excited that God was releasing me from the prison because I know I'd lost my peace long time. I was just walking with my will. But I wanted him to say it so that my coming out would be in obedience to him. And I stepped out. Some of the measures of authority that I carry today is traceable to that act of obedience. I want to end with a scripture. Please flash it on this screen. Acts chapter 5 verse 32. Quickly. Acts chapter 5 verse 32. That's what we're going to pray with. He said, and we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God has given unto them that obey him. There's a dimension of the Holy Ghost that only the obedient will ever know. Have you been operating in the outer court? The lights that you have been using is daylight. Have you been operating in the holy place? The lights that you've been using, your visibility is based on candlelight. But he calls us into Shekinah, the Shekinah presence, so that you will see by the glory of God. The Bible said it, 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 it's that sight that makes you see like Jesus because of the joy that was set before him. He saw that through Shekinah. He could endure the cross. He could despise the shame. We are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost whom God has given unto them that obey him. Tonight or this morning you want to say, Lord, I enlist. I enlist.
to be one of those ones that will obey you. Those, those ones that you can count on in this time. I will obey you. Oh, I can't hear you pray. See, I Leave Haran. Haran is not your destiny. It's time to go all the way to obey his voice. It's time to go all the way to, to obey what he has said. Your capacity, your possibility is tied to your life of obedience. Sufelami, Brosco for Tomin Zezike Bresuka Balamatale, Ambro Cote Masico Bresco Fetamil, Akaito Pombre, Rakatala Masubre. That's all I want to do with my life to serve your will, to obey you, to walk with you, to walk with you. Jesus, to walk with you, Lord, I just want to follow you. Oh my Jesus, God, Jesus, 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 to your presence that you might strengthen us might you strengthen Abraham to take his son to the mountain top strengthen us we fight by your spirit in our inner man he wants you to be his vessel he wants you to be his man he wants you to be his woman Will you hack it? Hack it onto the sound of his voice. There was a voice Abraham heard. He left his people. He left his country. And every one of us must walk the path of our ancestors. Receive courage to leave. Receive courage to leave. Receive courage to journey with the Holy Ghost. Seated out of the world of God. This is a stage, a new beginning. 
of South Africa. We stand on behalf of the church in this land and we say we will obey you. We will to your voice. We will listen to the Our sons will serve you. Our daughters will serve your will. For the Lord God, you will raise priests. Priests that will proclaim your heart perpetually. So that the seed of righteousness can sprout out of the land. We will obey. We will obey you. So that the witchcraft in the family can be challenged. So that the darkness that came through the bloodline can fail in its strength. We will obey you. Of sufficient stature will arise, and the light of God will shine on them. We will leave our country. We will leave our kingdom. We will leave our father's house to the land that you will show us. Because it is in that land that you will make us a great nation. We will walk with you. We will walk with you. We'll arise and journey. Oh, for you give power to them that are faint and to them that have no might. You increase strength. For even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men they shall utterly fall. But they that wait. Salio, that we renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like the eagles. This morning we mount up with the wind and the power of grace. We mount up beyond those situations that have kept us in Haran. Our journey is yonder, and our travel guide is the Holy Ghost. We march because we have heard the voice of our master. Because a little one will become a, a thousand and a small one will become a strong nation. Though thy beginning be small, thy later end shall greatly increase. God will cause you to break forth on the right side and on the left. Scott Abarakatua, Scott Abembo Lagino Barasadamia, Darius Opena, 
In Jesus mighty name In the mighty name of Jesus Second prayer point Listen he said, get thee out of thy country. Get thee out from among your kindred. He said, get thee out from your father's house. Go to a land that I will show you. So there was no map. How will you get the map? As he walks with God, every dream is part of the map. Every revelation is part of the map. Every word of knowledge was part of the man. He was utterly dependent on the Holy Ghost. In that situation, he cannot afford to quarrel with God. Can you tell him I will not quarrel with you? Some of you are quarreling with him. You are offended because you prayed and it was as if he didn't show up. I will not quarrel with you. That's right. The thoughts that you have towards me are thoughts of good. You can never be my enemy. I'll depend on every sign, every signal, every revelation, every illumination is part of your map. And just like our ancestor had to navigate through spiritual pathways in search of his inheritance, none of us will remain at home. We will all travel. But as you travel, tell him, I will never quarrel with you. Make, it, make that commitment to him. I will never quarrel with you. There's a lady in this place that I see, when you were 13 years old, you used to have angelic encounters. Sometimes Jesus used to visit you, and you felt it was too much. Because the presence of God used to weigh heavy upon you. But it came to pass, subsequently, you started becoming wiser and you were no longer subscribing to the protocol and you lost that presence. You lost that presence of God. As I speak to you now, the presence is returning. No, it, 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 the hand of God will come upon you suddenly. Suddenly. Do not quarrel with the Holy Ghost. He said, for there is a part which no fowl knoweth. That's the part he takes his sons. It's only his voice that can reveal it. He said, the vulture's eyes have not seen it. He said, the lion's webs have not trodden it. The fierce lions have not passed by it. It's only his voice that can reveal that part. 
May your ears be open. May your heart be textured to understand him. May grace be made available to you abundantly. In Jesus' name.